0: Hey, guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you, and I pray most of all it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Oh, well, hey there, and good morning. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church, y'all. My name is Matt, and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for being here with us today, especially if it's your first time with us. uh, I just want to let you know we're not going to do anything crazy or make you stand up or introduce yourself and embarrass you. We just truly are glad that you're here with us today. Now, if it's not your first time and you've been up here to see me speak before, you notice that there's something different about me this morning. That's because I'm not wearing glasses, right? My kids didn't break them. I didn't just lose them. I uh, actually got contacts a couple weeks ago, and so I've upgraded in life a little bit, and uh, I'm trying to get used to this all. So if I look a little funny at first, just give it a couple minutes, and I promise you I will look a lot better by the end of this talk. Um, but, but one of the weird things about contacts that I've, or interesting things, is I've realized is there's like this weird uh, cult following, <laughs> From people who like wear contacts, like they're really interested. Like I've had dozens of conversations over the last couple of weeks. So they'll be like, you know, what kind of contacts do you have? And you know, wh- you know, what, what, whatever numbers they are, I don't know what that means. Um, but they'll try to figure it out. Like one guy the other day came up to me and was like, um, you know, did you get LASIK? And I said, no, I just got contacts. And he goes, oh, what kind of contacts do you have? I was like, I, I don't even know. There was multiple different kinds. Like I just, the ones that make me see. <laughs> And he goes, no, like what brand? Like what's the color of the box that you get your contacts in? And I said, oh, I think they're like, uh, it's like white and gray. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't want the white and gray. You want the teal and the purple box. And he goes, let me give you the contact info for my guy. It was like your guy, like, like your optometrist guy, and it, like you have to meet this guy behind the mall and pay with Bitcoin. Like, like there's this weird following that like, oh, you know, what kinds do you have? What are you? Like what shape are they? What, what's the other one that they've got? Uh, the stigmatism, and it's just this whole new world for me. And so if you see me this morning like going like this or like doing this to my eye, it's just because my brain hasn't caught up with my face yet. Um, but I promise I can see you a lot better right now, and that's great news. So uh, but, like Justin said, uh, you know we 're in this series on grace, and you know, over the last few weeks, we have been talking about the different facets of god 's grace, his freeing grace, his saving grace, um, his personal grace, uh, or his constant grace. we've been talking about all these different expressions of God's grace. And hopefully you've been able to experience something new or see something new about God and who he is in this series. And and like we learned about in the first week, hopefully it's made it a little more personal to you instead of just words on a page that we read often. And so this morning, what we're going to close this series out talking about is sort of summing it all up and talking about God's growing grace. The type of grace that God gives to us that helps us move forward in our relationship with God to grow up in our relationship with God. And so as I was putting this together this week, I was just sitting on the couch and I had my laptop on my lap and um, Wyatt, my five-year-old, was next to me and he just likes watching me work. And so he asked me, what are you doing? And I, I said, I'm working on this talk for Sunday. I'm talking to you know, all the adults about uh, being spiritually grown up. And he says, are you a grown up? what? I was like, "Uh, you know, uh, depends who you ask. (laughs) Your mom might say differently, but legally, I am a grown-up. Like, the government sees me as a grown-up. But then he goes, am I a grown-up? He points to himself, and I said, no, he's five. I was like, no, not yet. You know, you will be a grown-up one day, but just not yet. Um, And he said, well, when will I be a grown-up? I was like, well, um, kind of, kind of hard answer to a question to give an answer to a five-year-old. It's a little more complex than just a certain time in your life, um, because there's more to the story than just you know, a certain stage, right? Like there's different types of grown-ups too. There's you're physically grown up, like when you legally reach 18, you, we, we determine that based on your age and your size. You can be physically grown up, but then there's something deeper. There's emotionally grown up, right? where it depends on your maturity and your decision-making skills and sometimes your experience in life. But then there's even a step further, and there's spiritual and spiritually grown up. And that's determined by a whole different set of standards and in different ways. And so what I want to talk about this morning is that last part, the spiritually grown up part. Because here's the truth. It's God's desire for us to spiritually grow up. Like There's really no other way to say that other than the fact that God wants us to grow up in our faith. And not in a way that's like very churchy of like just, you know, be a good Christian. Why don't you grow up and act like a Christian? Because, you know, just phys- like physically, just because you're 18 doesn't necessarily mean, even though you're physically grown up, doesn't necessarily mean you are emotionally grown up as well. Right? Anyone who's got an 18-year-old, you're like, mm-hmm, <laughs> Right? It's the same spiritually, though, is just because we do the right things or because we go to church or we read our Bibles and we do certain things and we do and say the right things at the right times doesn't necessarily mean that we're spiritually grown up, does it? Right? There's certain things that we need to look at and do in our lives to help progress and facilitate that, that spiritual growth and the spiritual progression that we take as we go throughout our lives. And so if you want to follow along with today's notes, I want to encourage you to open up that church center app or go to that QR code site on your seat back and you can follow along with these notes and verses. Here's the first one, first learning. God's desire for us is to be spiritually or to be growing up in his grace. His desire for us is to to really grow up in the grace that he shows us. And that can be from understanding, better understanding That could be from, you know, seeing a different perspective of what God does and how God operates. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've learned about a couple of those different things. But really, it's to, when you step back, to be able to look at your life and to see that I became a Christian at this point in my life, and I'm here right now, where have I gone in between? Right? How have I grown? What, what has happened to, again, my understanding and my comprehension of who God is and, and how deep have I gone in my relationship with God? And it's not like deep just as knowing more and studying more because we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Scott said, you know, deep is not necessarily information. Deep is doing, right? Deep is living out what we know and walking into that person that God has for us to be. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18 says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the last things the Apostle Peter said to us in his second letter here towards the end of the whole letter, and he says, it's really important for us to be growing up in God's grace, to not be standing and staying in the same places as we progress through life spiritually, but to be growing, growing in, he says, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, right? And so there's steps that we need to take as followers of Christ. If you've made that decision to trust God and you've got a relationship with him, there's steps that we need to take in our lives to make sure that we're growing up in God's grace. Now, one of the things you'll realize in the Bible, and if you're doing, we, we have a Bible in the Year group, and I know some of you have probably done that, not just at our church, but it's where you read through the Bible in a year, and so you every single day you just read a little section of it. Um, now, if you're like me, you read like until Deuteronomy and like Numbers and then you just kind of give up because it's just like there's a lot of numbers and a lot of just random stuff in there that doesn't seem like it's important and you've got to go pretty deep to actually understand it. And so even myself, I will most of the time get to like February 2nd and be like, well, I tried. And so I've like learned the book of Genesis and Exodus really well because I've reread that and reread that every single year. And if you're like that too, I know there's many of you here that, that do the same thing. Uh, you'll notice something about the stories in those books is that there's a lot of big empty gaps in between the moments where God promises something and then where God fulfills that promise, right? Like, so you could look at a guy named Abraham where God told him that he was going to, to have a child and that child was going to be the seed to the nation of Israel that we see today. Well, it took God or took that promise to come fruition, to fruition 25 years Okay, like for us, it's like the turn of a page. This is what God did. But in reality, he waited 25 years. You can look at Moses. He waited 40 years to see the promise that God had for him. Joseph had to wait 13 years before he was reunited with his family. I mean, think about even Jesus, right? He waited until he was 30 years old, around 30 years old, before he even started his public ministry. And now this isn't to say that God doesn't answer prayers, or do things for us, or fulfill promises in, in the here and now, because he does do that. He, he does. I mean, you could look through the Bible, you could see those stories. But, but for some reason, when you read through the scripture, it seems as though God is okay with made, wait, letting his people wait before he gives them what he says he'll give them, before he fulfills the promise that he has for them. It, it's almost as if God waits until We grow up a little bit, right? Before we progress in life a little bit, before we get the things that he said and promised to give us. And again, that's not to say that if you're young or if you're a new believer that God won't do great things in your life. He will. He will always do great things in our lives. But there's certain things that God waits for until we're at the right place before he fulfills those promises, there's certain things that we have to learn and in certain ways that we have to grow before we can fully comprehend and understand those things. And it's the same way with life, right? Like if you think about, you know, your, your journey that you've taken so far, I wouldn't consider myself old like Scott, but I'm older. <laughs> He's not here, so. But as I've grown up a little bit, I've started to see life differently. You know, the things that I cared about when I was younger, aren't necessarily the things that I care about when, you know, as a 34-year-old. My perspective changes. Our, our perspectives change on, on a lot of different things. And there's things that we learn and things that we do that mature us in a way that makes certain things make a little more sense in our lives. Sometimes that's the hard things. Sometimes that's the, the confusing things when we're younger. It's almost like a lens that we're wearing that as we, even though my eyes are getting worse as I grow older, It's almost like emotionally and spiritually, there's things that become clear as that lens comes into a little bit more focus each and every single day. But there's things that we've got to do, or there's things that we've got to learn before we can fully understand those. I mean, think about this. Like, think about Christmas as a five-year-old compared to Christmas as a 35-year-old. Right? It's different. Or talking to your mom on the phone when you're 14 is a lot different than talking to your mom on the phone when you're 40. Right There are perspectives change. things are different. What you thought mattered back then don't really matter as much to you in the moment. Here's how uh, Paul says it. In Philippians chapter three verse seven, he says, "I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done." I mean, think about that. He's saying, "Before I was a Christian, I thought there were certain things in my life that were really important." The things that I wanted to accomplish, the goals I had, the, the drive that I had, the, the, the end game in my life, it was very different. Then I became a Christian and started learning and growing and understanding God and understanding life a little more. And he says, those things are worthless now. He's like, those things don't even, I don't even, they don't even cross my mind anymore because I've grown up in God's grace and I start to experience something differently than I did before. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but what? Now they're nothing. See I think the truth is is that there's certain things in our lives that we we really won't fully understand until we grow up a little bit until we have a better understanding of it sometimes until we make a mistake that teaches us how to navigate life but you learn you grow you progress you change your ways based on the growth that you process like I was thinking about this like Growing up, there's certain things you just don't realize are important until it's too late. My wife and I, we talked about this a lot, and, you know, you just, especially with kids, like, there's certain things that you miss because you're concerned with other things, and, and you can't really go back and change it, but you just try to learn the best you can and move on in life, and that just is all, all different areas of life that happens, too. Like, for example, there's, there's certain places you don't put icy hot, right? <laughs> it right, doesn't say on the box not to put it there, but... You learn pretty hard and pretty fast, right? But even think about the ways we think and how we process information. And like I said, the things that we think are important to us. You know, when you're younger, one of the most important things to us is what other people think of you. You know, what you look like, how smart you are, the clothes you wear, the way you talk, just all the different things. That's really important for young people. And as you grow older, typically what happens is you start to care a little bit less and less About what others think of you, and it doesn't like that goes away. You know, that's something that even adults we struggle with and we deal with. But generally speaking, isn't that the truth that as you've gotten older, it's like "I I really don't care what they think about me. And it's what it is. It's it's us learning. Right, it's us making mistakes when we're younger and living a, kind of a separate life because we think we've got to be someone to impress other people or to be held to their standard. And it's not until we get older that we understand: Wait, I need to live my own life. I need to do what God's called me to do, not what everyone else wants me to do and what everyone else expects me to do. I'm not on the timeline of everyone else around me. I'm on the timeline of what God has for me. And so, as we grow older, things start to change. And again, that's exactly what happens spiritually as we grow up in our faith. God teaches us things, and God shows us things that change our perspective. They make things different in a spiritual sense. Our understanding of God changes. You know, that's why when you're younger, it's easy to see God as like this happy-go-lucky person who's always next to you, and he's with you by your side, which is true, but as you grow older, you start to feel the loneliness of, is God there? Like it's the confusion almost of, of when life is really good, God is right there. But when life is really bad, he's nowhere to be found. At least it feels like that. But as you grow older, you start to understand the way God works and the way life works and, and really how that operates spiritually. And so, so one of the biggest things we can be doing when it comes to God's grace is be constantly growing in that grace. And one of the easiest ways to do that is learning number two. We grow in God's grace by purposefully pursuing him. You know, one of the the ways we see in the Bible of people pursuing God or growing in their faith is, is by their pursuit of God. And if you've ever really looked at their biographies of the people that God chooses, I mean, just think of the apostles that he chose. They were... I'm trying to say this without offending people. They weren't the brightest people in the group. And I say that in, in seriously because the people that Jesus chose were this, the, the outcasts of the religious society of that time. You know, when they were younger, they had to go through all this education and this, all the, this stuff, this, uh, you know, this, this structure of the religious culture they lived in where they had to memorize certain parts of the Bible and they had to live a certain way and, and uphold God's laws certain ways as well. And if you couldn't do that then you are pretty much disqualified from ever having a life in ministry or life teaching and being a part of what they would call the church back then. And so when Jesus comes and picks his closest people, his apostles, his disciples, he starts choosing those outcasts, right? The fishermen, the tax collectors, the people who don't have their lives together, the people who were not like the CEOs and the rich people and the smartest people and the best people. He picked the people who, were basically thrown to the side and said, you, you missed the mark. And so Jesus chooses these people, and that's one of the great things about grace. It's not about what we can do and what we can accomplish on our own. It's about that free grace that God gives to us, that even in the midst of our weakness, he still gives that to us. And so he, he really picks these people, and if you notice one characteristic out of anything else that has to do with all of them is even though they might not be the best or the brightest at certain things, they all have a burning passion to know more of God. They have a a desire, a yearning to know more and more and more of God. Here's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He's like, man, I just want to know more of God. I want to have an experience in my life where God, you know, shows me something or does something and fills me up with that same power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I want him to fill me up with that. I want to experience God. I want to know more of God. Even though I know certain things about God, I want to keep going further and further and further. Here's what David says in Psalms. Psalm 63 says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. Like, look at those words. Is I search for you. I, I want to find you. And it's sort of confusing for us because it's somewhat of a paradox, actually, because what we talk about a lot is searching for God and trying to find God when we're not Christians. We're right? like, we've got to find Jesus or we've got to find the treasure. And once we find it, you know, it's sort of like we've arrived But almost every single time that the Bible talks about searching for God, finding God, pursuing God, it's in the context of people who actually already know God, who've already met Him. And so some of the processing that we've got to do is is figure out how do we pursue God, how do we search for God, even though we've already found Him, right? And that's by going after Him. That's by that's pursuing Him. you know, like the drive that we have, the thirst, the hunger to go after more and more and more of God. He says, oh God, you're my God. I earnestly search for you. I want more of you. I'm not content with what I've got now. I want more and more and more, and it never ends. So I think when we first become Christians, if you can remember back to that day in your life or that period in your life, when you first become a Christian, it's sort of easy to to pursue God. It is. There's a lot of newness to it. There's a lot of discoveries, just like anything else in life. New things typically have our attention a little bit more than the older things. And so when we become a Christian, it's really easy to open up the Bible and find something that really speaks to us in a certain way. Or we go to church and we hear a song and it's just like, man, I just feel like God spoke to me that way. Or I heard a talk and and just experienced something from God. But as we grow up and get older in our faith, spiritually, it's not as easy. It's not as easy to, you know, hear from God. You know, we, people say that. Or it's not as easy to open up your Bible and, and find something that you haven't really learned about God. It, the pursuit of God gets really, really hard. And it's just like that in any other relationship, right? If you're in a serious relationship, you're married, you're dating, engaged, something that, you know, you've been at for a while, the beginning was easy. Right? That was simple. You didn't have to, to like, really pull too hard to find out more information about that person or to impress that person and and do things for that person. But around like the six-month mark, it gets harder. It gets harder to find out new things about your spouse or that person you love. Things change. The relationship gets difficult, and we all experience this. We experience the, the temptation of complacency and contentment with being okay with where we are now and not wanting to know more or do more or grow more, but instead just be okay with, I know this, I'm good. I even think about like me and my wife, like it's, we've been together for almost 10 years now, married for almost eight. And even the beginning couple years, like Valentine's day was like a big deal, right? It was like flowers, chocolates. Like I was like dipping paper and like tea bags and trying to make it look old and like it was a scroll writing calligraphy notes to her. And, and now it's like, Lindsay, what do you want for, for Valentine's Day? And she's like, honestly, eight hours of sleep in a breakfast buffet. Like, that's what I want, <laughs> right? Like things change, right? It's not like things in a relationship change. And that's not to say that things get worse because it doesn't, it's not that they get worse, they get harder. They get, get difficult, right? Anyone who's in that relationship, you know that to be true. But it's something we need to work through and we need to fight against that complacency in our lives that would have us be content with just where we are now and not want to go any further. Same with God. Our greatest threat to our relationship with God is complacency of of coming to church, reading our Bibles, and just being okay with going through the motions and not wanting more not wanting to know more of God, not wanting to go deeper with God, not wanting to, like Paul said, to experience the power that God has for us. Instead, it's the temptation is to just be okay with it and, and go through those motions, and, and that doesn't help us grow. That's not going to get us to grow in our faith and grow in the grace that God wants us to grow in. And so if you're stuck, you know, if you're in this spot, you're here this morning, you're like, i I've been a Christian for however many years. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I don't read the Bible the same as I do. I don't, when I come to church, it doesn't feel the same as it used to. And you feel like you're just in a stuck spot. My advice to you would be this, and this is probably single-handedly the best thing that I've ever done to grow in my faith, is to ask questions. To start asking questions about God. To start asking hard questions, difficult questions. You know, each one of us, we've got Things we wonder about God. you know. I think in that period of time where I, you know, I felt like I was in a rut, I started asking questions to God, and I started asking hard questions like, God, why does it feel like you're present in my life sometimes, but other times you're nowhere to be found? You know, why does it work out that your word says it makes it seem like all I've got to do is ask you for it. And when I ask you for things, it doesn't always, you know, come out like I, I asked you. But uh, there's a confusion there. Or why do bad things happen to people who trust you and love you and, and want more of you? And, and so I started asking all these questions. And you know what ended up happening? Is I felt myself wanting more. Because I started looking for the answers. I started searching hard and deep for those answers to figure it out the things that were really holding me back from getting to that next level in my faith. My son Wyatt, a five-year-old, he loves, I tell you this all the time, he loves asking questions. Why this? Why that? How does this work? How does that work? The other day he asked me does, about his brother's one-year-old brother. He goes, does Gaines know he's alive? It's <laughs> like what? Like, uh, I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Like, like a one-year-old, I don't remember when I was one, but I'm sure he knows he's alive. But I was like, I don't know, buddy. But, but here's what I try to do with him. I try to be as patient and as kind as I possibly can because I know he's got a lot of thoughts in his mind. He's wondering a lot of things. And what he's doing is he's, he's growing. He's trying to figure life out. He sees something and he's like, oh, I wonder how that works or he experiences something and wants to figure out why he feels that way or why certain things work out the way they do, but, but he's growing, right? He's, he's growing in his mind. He's asking those hard questions, and he's trying to find the answers to those hard questions, and it's putting him on a path of pursuit. And that's the exact same thing each one of us need to do if we're stuck in a rut where we just don't feel like we're growing in our faith. We just we feel like we're not going anywhere. We go to church. We do all these things. Start asking questions, Start asking hard questions. I mean, open up your phone later today and start, maybe start with the top three questions you have that are concerning to you, that, that makes you question whether God's even there or whether this whole thing is real or it's just, you know, something in my mind. Start asking hard questions. You know, a lot of times people feel bad asking questions to God. Like, who am I to ask God a question? And I know many of you, you've gone to churches where they, they told you don't ask. God will do what he wants to do and you just gotta deal with it. But that doesn't help any of us. God wants us to ask him questions. That's why it's called a relationship with God because he wants us to be curious. He wants us to know more. He wants us to struggle for answers sometimes because it puts us on a path of growth. It puts us on a path of pursuit. And so one of the biggest things we can do is ask questions. Here's another thing in learning number three. To grow in God's grace, we need to be replacing the old us with the new us. So when you become a Christian, for those of you who are followers of Christ, the Bible teaches us is that there's a moment in your life where you become a new person. Here's how it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, Paul says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And so what he's saying here is, as a Christian, you should be able to step back. And look at your life when you, before you were a Christian, the BC days, and then look at your life now, and you should be able to see some growth. You should, even, even if it's not a ton of growth, you sh- still should be able to see some growth in your life. And, and I kind of made this motion, but it's really not like this, right? It's not like a steady growth as you get older. It's kind of like highs and lows and, and goods and bads. But the idea here is that once you become a follower of Christ, it sets you on a brand new trajectory in a brand new direction, and there should be certain things in your life that you work out of your life in order to keep following Christ, right? Sinful habits, things that we do or that we've done in our lives before Christ that wouldn't necessarily line up with the Bible. And so part of the journey of growth and part of the journey of pursuing God is by taking inventory of, of our own lives. You know, am I living the way God wants me to live? What are the things that I'm doing that are preventing me from experiencing that power that Paul talks about and and slowly but surely making those changes? And and we'll just give you the heads up. You're never going to get to the end of it, right? It's a constant journey of growing and, and working those things out. I've got stuff to work on. Scott's got a lot of stuff to work on. You guys got some stuff to work on, right? We all do. No one comes to the table with clean hands, right? None of us do doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how well you present yourself as a Christian. We've all got something we're working on. But that's part of the journey, and that's okay. It's part of us learning and growing and and becoming more of the person God wants us to be. Here's what John chapter 14 says, because this is a huge part about our growth and getting rid of the old. It's knowing that the Holy Spirit is with us, helping us along the way. That we're not by ourselves, that we're not just left to our own device to do it ourselves and and just pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but we've got the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, working alongside of us to make that new person front and center. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. He's like, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you. it's going to guide you. He's going to show you in the moments where you make mistakes, the moments where there is part of that old self trying to, to get back up in front. He's going to show us and remind us of the things that we've learned. Even though we might feel like we forget them, He's going to bring those to our minds and help teach us and show us how we can grow in our faith. Here's what Paul says in Galatians in chapter 5. He says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? I mean, that's a great checklist, right? Do we love more? I mean, think about it, even not just before you are a Christian, but as you've grown up in your faith, as you've progressed in your faith, do you love more than you did before? Uh, peace, do I have more peace in my life? Has the anxiety and the stress that it once controlled me, is that starting to, to go away a little bit more and more each and every single day? How about joy? Am I more joyful than I was before? Am I more patient? Probably not. Am I kind? That's just for me. Am I p- more patient? Am I kind? Am I good? He says, am I faithful? Do I have self-control? That's a big one. Do I express and show more self-control now than I've gone than I've done in my past? It's, listen, it's a part of the growth process. It's a part of learning, and it's a part of the journey, the spiritual journey that we're on together. And so if you look at this list and you're like, yeah, I, I am, I'm getting better, I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing, then you're on the path of growth that God wants you to be. But if you look at that list and you're like, no, not really, then there's some next steps you've got to take to get you to where you know God wants you to be. And here's something about this, because I've always thought this is interesting and, and important for us when we talk about growth, is you know God is, is more concerned with the fact that you're growing, than he is at the speed you're growing. That makes sense? Like there, there's some of us who are a little slower than the rest and I'm one of those people. <laughs> you know, I, go th- I feel like I go through times where it's like a couple years and I don't feel like I've grown and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, I learned something and it just reinvigorates the, the passion and drive I have for God and, and you know, maybe that takes a couple months and, and I find myself sort of back in that lower period where I'm like, ah, oh, man, I just wish I wanted this more or desired this more. And, and so growth is a, a process for all of us. And I think one of the most important things we need to understand and do is to trust God's process. And that's learning number four. We need to trust God's process. Some of us are not the quickest. Some of, us, some of you, you became a Christian and you were like, you're reading commentaries, you were watching sermons all day, you had podcasts in, all your music was like Hillsong United. You were, it was just crazy, right? And you grew really fast. But that's not how everyone's journey is. We're all on different paths. And like I said in the beginning, you know, there's no certain cookie cutter, specific cookie cutter that all of us have to follow to get to where we're going. But the most important part is that we're going there. I don't know how many of you have young kids, and I'm sure they did this before my children. I have a five, three, and one. So we've gotten for all of these, is when you go to the doctor for their yearly checkups, the doctors, they'll give you this piece of paper or the stack of papers that is sort of like their baseball card. (laughs) Like it's got like their stats on it, like their height, their weight, the the head size, their head circumference size, and then they break it up into percentiles. So if your kid's got you know a certain you know a certain percentile, that's you know he's you know 30 percentile. I don't know how the math works, but he he's with. 30% of the other kids, right? And so there's a lot of questions you get when you get these pieces of paper because sometimes if your number's low, it's concerning, right? If your kid doesn't weigh as much or, he's not, or she's not tall enough, it's concerning. Like, is there something wrong with my kid? Like, for us, our boys, they all had huge heads. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, Wyatt's was, like, 97 percentile. <laughs> Ryland was, like, 92. And then Gaines was, like, 96 percentile. And we're like, what is the deal? Like, why do these kids have huge heads? And so we asked our doctor one time, and and we're like, is this like something to worry about, like to be concerned about? And so she looked at my wife, like, why do we have these huge head kids? And she looked at my wife and then looked at me, and she goes, well, you have a huge head, so. I was like, I take that as a compliment, right? There's a lot going on upstairs. But as we started having more kids and and we've talked to doctors, especially when they'd give these little sheets to us about our children, they would almost all say the exact same thing. The number, like the percentile, means next to nothing. What's important is that they're growing. What's important is that when they're one, that they grow when they're two, that they're taller when they're two than they're one. And as they go throughout life, it could be the 10th percentile. And to an extent, I'm sure it matters to them. But as a general rule, they tell you, don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what, what percentile your kids in. Don't worry about comparing your kid to all the other kids who are in the 80th percentile or the kids who have huge heads and the kids who have normal-sized heads. It just matters that they're growing. It's the most important thing about their growth, and it's the exact same way with us the most important thing about our growth is that we're growing. Your journey might look a lot slower than the person next to you, but if you're growing, it's where God wants you to be. As you're growing through your life, learning more, pursuing more, finding and discovering more about who God is and going after what God has is where he wants us to be. We don't need to compare ourselves to other people we don't need to ask people how long they've been a Christian and wonder why we're not in the same spot as well. As long as we're going in the right direction towards God, we're becoming more and more like his son Jesus. Here's what it says in 2 Peter. He, he says this in the first chapter, verses 5 through 9. He says, in view of all this, of all this growth, he says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. He's talking about spiritual growth. He's talking about as you grow up, you should be learning these. You should be making much of these things, the things like self-control and the knowledge that you have and the experiences that you have. And he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. He's saying the only problem we'll run into is if we look at our lives and we see we've stopped growing. You know, if it's slow, we can do things to speed it up. We can do things, we can pursue God different ways. We can try to put ourselves in new places and new environments to grow. But if we look at our lives and it's stopped... And that's the red flag we need to know that, that really leads us to taking the next steps in our faith. And if you've been at Blue Ridge <clears throat> excuse me, for any sort of length of time, you've probably heard us say this before, but we call them your next steps. Uh, if you looked at the connection card, you've probably seen it on slides, but we're always trying to help facilitate spiritual growth. And so how we do that is by calling them next steps or next right steps, we'll say. And sometimes those are very simple. Sometimes that's, those steps are, if you're not a Christian and you want to have a relationship with God, your next step is you know, to become a follower of Christ, to start a relationship with Jesus. Others of you, you have a relationship with God and your next step might be to go a little deeper, to, to take another step forward. Maybe that's join a group or maybe that's you know, join a Bible study or do something that puts you in a better spot to grow in your faith. Others of you, maybe that's baptism or dedicating your child to the Lord or serving at the church or, you know, whatever that might be, there's next steps for all of us to take. And so we try to help that spiritual growth process into taking those next right steps because we truly believe that God has created each one of you in a special and unique way that can serve God and serve the world around you in a way that you cannot do without Him. Whether that's by using your spiritual gift and developing that gift, whether that's just by being someone who can listen to, to someone who's hurting, to pray for someone, to lead something, no matter what it is, there's always a next step that we can take. Even for me, there's always a next step that I can take in my faith. And it's my responsibility to have it on the radar and be going after that. Because here's what it says in Philippians chapter one, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We'll close like this. In other words, if you're breathing, like if you're here and you're breathing, if you're watching and you are, you're breathing oxygen, then God is not done with you yet. God is working on something in you and he's growing something in you that even though it might feel like it takes forever, you can have confidence that he's doing that inside of you and he will not quit on you until he's done with you. And the moment he's done with you, you'll be with him. (laughs) Our job is to grow. Our job is to facilitate that spiritual growth and become that person that God wants us to be alongside of the Holy Spirit inside of us, doing the work for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your goodness. And the songs that we sang this morning just couldn't be any more true, that we are so amazed by your grace and God, I just pray for everyone here that, that has struggling with their growth, that they, they look at their life spiritually and they don't see growth, that they don't see more and more desire for you. And God, I just pray that right now you would help them, encourage them to take the next step they need to take to get where you want them to be. Maybe that's starting by asking questions and searching for answers. Maybe that is by taking that next step and going to be baptized or by joining a group or leading a group or by serving in some way, shape, or form. But God, remind us that we are all on this journey. We're on this journey together. We're all running towards you. And so God, help us in that pursuit. Help us to continually get rid of the old and live into the new and be the people you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, we're out of time, but I want to thank you again so much for being here. Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that that app or the QR code, if there's anything that you need, or maybe there's something you do want to do to take that next step in your faith, we've got a bunch of different things listed there of options you can do. So I want to encourage you at some point, check that out. And, uh, And if there's anything you need from us, please let us know. I hope you enjoy this nice warm day and have a great week. We'll see you next week.